Welcome to the Melt Hammer podcast. It is episode 164. I am Mel from Melt Hammer. Thanks as always for joining us. And thank you to the one and only Conjurer for that kick-ass theme tune they recorded for us a few months back. Still absolutely loving that, opening up the show every week. Uh, this week's show is dedicated to the one and only Gajira. Their epic new album, Fortitude, came out a few weeks back. It got a 9 out of 10 in the pages of Metal Hammer magazine. And Gajira are, in fact, on the front cover of Metal Hammer magazine, right? Now, uh, so if you're a big Gajira fan, make sure you go and pick it up. It's out in shops across the UK. You've got about another seven days or so to pick it up in the UK before we reveal our brand new issue next week. Uh, and the interview was done by the one and only Eleanor Goodman, deputy editor of Metal Hammer and regular host on this here show. Uh, and we thought we'd give you a little preview of her chat with the Duplantier brothers, Joe and Mario. The guys are at the very heart of everything Gajira have done over the last 20 years. Elle had a great chat with them about the influences behind the new record, uh, their amazing career to date, growing up together in France, a ton of stuff. And uh, so we're going to give you a little snippet of that just in case you haven't read the new cover feature yet and you fancy wetting your appetite for it and uh, going and picking it up after. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to drop you straight in with Elle and the Duplantier brothers. And if you like what you hear, and I'm very confident you will, uh, don't forget to go and pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer with the rest of the interview. You can get it in shops across the UK, as I said, or if you want it delivered straight to your door, go to tinyurl.com slash gethammer. That's tinyurl.com slash gethammer. Uh, so I'm going to hand you over to Eleanor and Gajira. Enjoy. Well, I just wondered how you started Fortitude. Like, what was the first riff or the first song that you worked on? Uh, actually, the first song was um, a song was not on the album. And I, I do love that song. And uh, I'm sure it will be on the next album. But uh, I remember Joe and I spent like one week working on a, on a song. And uh, the song was killer, you know? The night shift. And then we worked on the second song. And the song was almost even more cool you know like uh uh George, remember that the malvalentia Mal so we spent joe and i spent almost three weeks on two songs but they are not on the album they didn't make it um oh. yeah didn't make it but we, we are going to uh, recite the, the song for sure um so i would say <clears throat> maybe amazonia was one of the first one or Joe, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure actually. Did you have working titles for the ones that didn't make the cut? Yeah, working title, was, yeah. One was called the, the Night Shift. Uh, it's about all the, the things of the night that uh, take over when it's nighttime. Uh, some fears, uh, demons, and uh, uh, ghosts and nightmares that work together to shake to shaken our unconsciousness, you know, and uh, the role that these um, uh, things play in our lives, you know, they also inspire us a great deal for our death metal uh, music, um, and it's it it was a very subtle riff, a bit it was a it's a bit of an ambitious song. So I feel that that, that song that we're talking about, the night shift. For now, it's called the night shift. It might change, but um, is has a future. This song has a future. I think it's going to come back later. But it often works like that. Sometimes we have, you know, super interesting riffs pouring out of us, and we're like, oh my god, this is so cool. But it, until we find the right partner to that riff, you know. Uh, I remember a conversation with Brent 
from Mastodon. He was talking yeah. about that process of finding interesting uh, chord progressions or, and he said, you know, I find a riff and, I, and then I play for hours to find that riff's best friend. And uh, it's a little bit like that, that we we're thinking about uh, songwriting too. Sometimes you have one strong idea until you, you find the, the riff that's going to complement this and find a balance, then it's, then it's doable to, to make a song. But if you don't find that best friend or that right combination, it's best to wait. Uh, because sometimes a, a good riff could be uh, hurt by a not so good companion. And yeah. the whole thing mm -hmm. sync. So sometimes we see the potential in one idea and we have to work hard to make sure that the potential is fulfilled. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, is, heard, yeah. I've heard Mastodon talk about the best friends before. Though it oh, seems to be like a thing. But yeah, yeah, it's a, a great, um, a great, a big part of uh, writing an album is, is uh, finding the right combinations. And, uh, yeah. But we did a lot of recycle, uh, like a song like Born for One Thing, for example, the main um, <clears throat> riff, the more um, ambitious riff of the song was uh, already existing, you know, we, we uh, it was supposed to be on a song um, uh, for the album Magma, actually. So mm -hmm. we kind of, uh, through the time, uh, we are becoming a band uh, for so long now, so we have so many materials who are still living. Yeah. Uh, so we do recycle more than ever, actually. Uh, and we still have a lot of stuff to recycle, uh, but Born for One Thing, it's interesting, it's interesting because the, the riff were uh, the um, older, oldest, um, but actually it's the, the song we wrote uh, just before recording, so it's, uh, it's the opposite. The riff was written um, five years ago, but we did record the album, uh, the song uh, just uh, no, sorry, we wrote the song just before recording. Um, yeah. But Amazonia was one of the first songs uh, we worked on, I think. Yeah, that's such a fascinating song. And you obviously just released that as a single. Um, obviously, there's sort of the Sepultura influence there. And I know you've played with Cavalera Conspiracy, Joe. Um, but you also kind of had the thing about um, raising money for the tribes and so on as well. Um, what kind of came first in this song idea and why was it important to you to build something extra in? Well, first was a feeling of, uh, you know, it was sickening to see the Amazon in flames before the COVID happened. There was this big thing that, oh my God, the Amazon, the Amazon is on fire. And uh, um, a lot of uh, skeptic, you know, skeptic people, skeptical people would say, oh, it's normal, you know, there's fires every year in the Amazon. And it's true, you know, every forest has naturally some fires, there's accidents, you know, there's this um, technique to clean a field, to plant more vegetables. Sometimes you have to, to, to burn it, but you have to control the fire. Sometimes there's accidents. Uh, uh, turns out, all, you know, the majority of these fires were criminal fires. And it, the, the big farmers and big corporation and uh, the meat industry and the soybean industry, real estate, gold mining, there's so much wealth in the Amazon that uh, uh, people get blinded, uh, the government included, see the potential of this uh, whole area. If the, all the trees were down, we could have more cattle, uh, more renting, more, you know, uh, and so on. So. Uh, um, 
it's not a new thing, but it started to be fueled with the new government that uh, was elected in Brazil in, uh, you know, in 2018-19, around that time, that's when things started to get out of control again. Uh, because for about 10 to 15 years prior to that, there was uh, um, a reduction in uh, deforestation and it was a little bit of a hope for, uh, for the Amazon forest. Um, and when we saw the fire, we were, at, we were actually writing songs and we're meeting at the studio every day. And we had that, that feeling in our stomach that we felt so sick, we couldn't do anything. Um, but for us, music is a tool to express whatever we feel. And it could be something that we experience for one day even. It could be uh, on our way to the studio, in the subway, we see something sh shocking or striking and then we, we recycle that into music. Uh, so, of course, when we saw the Amazon on fire, we couldn't help but just that day, we felt so down and I remember we, we started to jam, it was just Mario and me in the studio that day. Um, it just came and we're like, ah, Amazon! So that's how it, it, it happened, it was from a, a genuine feeling of, my God, we feel so powerless. But I mean, I think it's powerful, maybe powerless, powerful, you know? could you know work together um so the music is powerful but we are powerless so we put the music uh up front and we put our feelings in it and hope it's going to do something um yeah so it could shake in people it could it could make them see the problem a little better but it's it's even better if we add something to it and uh, and and use that opportunity to be under the spotlight to talk about it because we we feel sick about it we want to communicate uh so in a way, it's it's a bit selfish. Oh, I feel sick. I want to do something about it. You know, there's a selfish aspect to it. You know, uh, also we're promoting our album. We're porting it. We're promoting our music. So it could be seen as a tricky uh, thing to use a cause like that. But what choice do we have? We have we are artists. Uh, we have a band. Um, there's uh, great expectations uh, with uh, with this album, and there's a, sort of a pressure. We like to turn things. Uh, upside down and and use that pressure and use that uh, opportunity to to put things that matter in people's hands um, mm -hmm. so to speak but we're not done communicating on this uh, Amazonian uh, uh, project that we have because it, we went pretty deep um, uh, we communicated with uh, indigenous tribes indigenous leaders um, wow. that taught us a lot that guided us through uh, uh, through this whole thing we didn't want just to raise money and send it to an NGO that we don't know of. So we did our homework and, and, and had several meetings with uh, indigenous tribes and leaders. And they really, it was very, very uh, emotional and very intense to, to talk to these people. And I, I remember feeling completely, uh, um, uh, I was shaking talking to these people. And there was, there was um, uh, some friends, activists that were there too. It, it was a very, very touching moment when we had these conversations. It was on Zoom. Uh, the indigenous people have to, to use modern tools now to, uh, to communicate on, on their situation, to denounce, and to also uh, protect themselves against criminal attacks, you know, uh, gunshots and criminal fires and all that. So they have to be able to film these things and post them so people can see the reality. Uh, what's happening and we are all concerned by this problem because the forest uh, uh, provides shelter for 10% the Amazon forest provides shelter for 10% of uh, uh, all plants and all animals on earth 
produces 20% of uh, oxygen on Earth, more or less. Um, and uh, this is a symbol too. It's the last ancient <clears throat> forest on Earth that took millions yeah. and millions of years to form and find a balance. And we're just destroying this like it's nothing, just to produce uh, hamburgers. So yeah. we have to ask ourselves the right questions here. And uh, uh, so it's an invitation also for people to think about it and ask, uh, ask themselves the right questions. Hopefully we'll raise enough money to make a difference for these communities. They are very specific projects that we are endorsing and that we studied. Uh, uh, so we feel very, very confident that uh, this money is going to be used wisely and, and do good for the, uh, but sure. I, will, I will, you know, communicate more on this and, and write a text to explain the behind the scenes of this. And I just want to add that uh, um, I want to give a big shout out to Joe because he brought this project on the table and I, I think it resonates perfectly uh, with um, this moment of our life, we are turning uh, around the 40s, you know, uh, you just ask yourself what do you want to be in this life, what you want to uh, achieve and uh, what what life you want to, uh, to have for you. And uh, I would say uh, words are great, music is great, but um, uh, through the action, it's, uh, it's something concrete and... Um, um, we are a bit uh, responsible of all that, and I think the new generation is an example of uh, all the initiatives, all the actions the new generation is uh, is um, is doing is uh, is incredible. And I feel a bit like, uh, oh my God, I'm all, I'm 40 years old, and I'm uh, what can I do? You know. So Joe, when Joe brought this project on the table, and he, he did a lot of research, and he he spent so much time on the phone. Uh, trying to understand pricelessly the situation. He did an amazing and massive work. And um, so it, it's amazing now to be part of the project and, and uh, to finally act, not only with words. Uh, so if, if we can raise money, it's, uh, it's, uh, I know it's symbolic because we are waiting for a changement from the government. And Brazil uh, for now has someone... Um, the president is not ready to do anything, but uh, but this kind of uh, symbolic act are also very precious and has a huge impact for people. So yeah, big shout out to Joe because um, he, he was the one who really insisted. You know, he said we need to do something, and at first we said, oh, okay, but have a bit of lack of energy. I don't know how to do. It. He said, yeah, no, I will, I will do it. You know. I will talk to the people. I will find. So he spent like weeks and weeks and weeks on the phone, like crazy, you know. So yeah, good job, Joe. Thank yeah. Thank you. That whole thing about um, Zoom as well is crazy because, as you said, people need to use modern technology to communicate with people, but it's so far removed from what you would imagine Indigenous people's lives to be like. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that something that they kind of? talked about or like recognize or like it just I guess what's it like to be on a call like that knowing that it's just it should be completely alien but it, it is something that they have to engage with somehow yeah they're facing tremendous problems so uh, um, they they don't have the luxury to, to even to take a second to be scared I ask them are you how do you feel uh, and so they, they embrace these uh, new technologies and these new ways um, because they're really fighting for their survival. So they, they're they not so romantic 
about uh, their lifestyles anymore. You know, they're just trying to do their best to communicate and to survive. It's a real battle. I know it's not, and I know there's so much going on in the world everywhere. Um, but I think this, you know, it's good, it's good to take uh, uh, problems one at a time. And I'm, I'm, we have the power. That's the thing is that we feel powerless, like Mario and me that day when we started to write that song. But somehow that song carried us and inspired us to do something. But we can all do something. And um, uh, yeah, of course, now they, they, they have to use phones and, and computers and, and some activists really thought about it thoroughly. And I've, I've met some people that are, do, that are going over there and they, they give them drones with cameras to be able to film the attacks uh, that are happening at night. They need uh, uh, infrared uh, cameras for the night and they need uh, to build barricades sometimes on road. Uh, now the police and the army uh, is also fueled by the government and corrupted. And uh, there's, a, there's a division of the government called FUNAI that was uh, created to a long time ago to help the Amazon forest and to ensure uh, uh, the survival of the forest and of the indigenous. But the new president, Bolsonaro, removed all the people from FUNAI and yeah. replaced them. Uh, and it became a tool against the uh, indigenous. So now they're completely surrounded from, uh, from all sides and from local authorities, which is horrible. They can't rely, yeah. they can't call the cops. Um, so using phones, using computer, now they do whatever it takes to, to be able to protect themselves. But there's, yeah. a, there's a rate of suicide happening. There's a, it's a, the, I've, I've been talking to people that are we wearing a, a bulletproof uh, uh, vests, uh, sending their, ch their children away because they're scared for their lives, et cetera. So it's pretty dramatic. Uh, we're you know, happy to communicate on that and, 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 and really uh, try to help. Because our music represents that. It's the, the, the strength of the forest, the, the strength and in, in the, the, the force you find in nature is, is influencing us. You know, volcanoes and waves and, and giant trees. This is what we feed off from, you know. And uh, so we, we almost have a responsibility to, to honor it and to protect it. And it might be a drop in the ocean to some people, but uh, every drop counts. So Yeah, absolutely. There's obviously, um, apart from that song, there's a lot of kind of um, interesting experimentation on the record in terms of sound, you know, just playing with different things. Um, the intro to Hold On was almost a bit like a sort of pagan folk metal Wardruna type thing. I was wondering whether sort of that kind of movement in metal had had any influence, whether that was coming from somewhere else. It was quite striking, really, when it came on. Well, it's 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 a great feeling. Um, I know that Mario and I, when we uh, arrange songs or we we fine tune some songs, it's it's almost the best part to, to sprinkle the music with uh, uh, percussions, weird sounds, experiments. Um, you know, sometimes we record a demo and and we think, oh, it would be nice to have a weird snare sound at this at this moment, and we're after eating a sandwich in our the studio and Mario's like, oh, how about that? He grabs a plate, bangs on the plate, we record. Oh my God, this is amazing. We put some reverb, create our sounds with whatever is around us. Um, and uh, Mario is really good at, you know, grabbing anything and finding, you know, how to get a sound with it. Um, so, so we have fun with that. It's, 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 it's amazing how uh, metal bands 
uh, often are scared to get out of their comfort zone in terms of sound, you know? Um, when yeah. we put a, a metal, I, it's something I experienced before because when we started, we were very, uh, uh, we were trying to be structured as a metal band. We we're doing these, we, ha we had all these codes and we were more traditional in a way. And I remember if uh, the beginning of recording was to find the tone of the guitar and to find the tone of the drums and make sure everything is punchy and in your face. And then, okay, that's it, now we record and we would record everything with, with one sound. And that's what most metal bands do. And then if they want to change something, they do it during mixing. But the way we approach uh, recording now, we want a lot of different sounds. So every musical uh, part of a song will be recorded with a different snare or a different guitar or a different amp in order to bring the texture that we imagine already with experience now, after 25 years doing this, we know, okay, if we use that amp, it's gonna sound like that, or it's gonna be easier to mix. So we end up, this album was already listenable. You could, you could, you could almost enjoy it before mixing. Everything was there on the table. Percussions to give a, a little accent, you know. Uh, a certain texture, a certain guitar to to give uh, a special vibe and so on. Yeah, yeah. In those early days, it's really interesting to look back at um, like the, some of your demos. You had like uh, I was looking at Possessed, and you had a song called like Brutal Abortion on it. Like at the time, like <laughs> were you just like yeah, death metal is awesome. Like who out of you was kind of coming up with all the death metal titles and things? Um. Well, we were collectively uh, in that energy, listening to a lot of Morbid Angel and Cam Cannibal Corpse and Death. Yeah. And we had this absolute, you know, fascination for this world. Um, music yeah. that would talk about bloody things and, and death and, and ghosts and fear was super attractive to us. And we, we played, it was almost like trying to understand the rules of a game we were trying to fit in that world uh, for a little bit, but but then very quickly we 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 understood that we could create our own worlds by breaking these limits. But we always stayed with our death metal roots because there's something there to be found. Uh, a lot of freedom, of uh, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, sounds and notes. It's okay when you play death metal to 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 play something that is uh, dissonant or to do some weird drum patterns or to play something five times instead of four times and then surprise everybody. And so it's very, compo it's very uh, written, everything. Um, so we had a blast exploring that. And Mario was taking it super seriously. His long hair and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was dreaming to, uh, my dream was to just uh, be in uh, Tampa, Tampa, Florida and going to the Morrison studio because all the production uh, went uh, I mean, uh, came from the studio was was amazing. I was a huge fan of the Floridian uh, death metal scene, and I'm still uh, I'm yeah. still a huge fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You you've never abandoned your death metal roots. Though. They're still there. Um, they're obviously important to you. Um, yes, yes, yeah. Um, just to go back to Force Choose. Um, the chant as well is obviously one of those songs that kind of really stands out as being quite different in this sort of more different experimental yeah. way. Um, 
what was that based on? Were you kind of drawing on any specific religious texts or like, do you, do you kind of chant in your own lives? Like, obviously there's something spiritual kind of going on there. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an underlying um, ancient energy that is there throughout our entire career. If you, if you look at our first album that was released 20 years ago, Terra Incognita, it's, it's filled with these moments. That was after our like pure death metal uh, time. Uh, at the very beginning, we released four demos that were very, very death metal, but then we sort of had an epiphany and we realized, okay, it's okay to, to call a song love. So there's a song called Love on our first album, for example, because it's, it's about love, it's death metal, but it's love, but it's okay. And it works actually, because love is freaking powerful and can be also destructive. And, you know, so there's not, we, we sort of got rid of all the, the notions of what is acceptable or unacceptable in our music pretty early on. So when the chant came, it was one of these things that expresses our intention that we put behind every song which is an intention of uh, unifying and uh, compassion and this chant is uh, clearly a mantra or a prayer addressed to the sky or addressed to the unknown or whatever the universe is um it's very indigenous in a way you know um and we have something indigenous in our music the chant is a is a, is a really uh, an example of that. Um, it was, but to be more uh, precise, it was backing vocals that I was recording for a song that was never released. And these backing vocals, I printed them uh, solo and played them to Mario and to Christian, the, the, the guitar player. And they said, uh, we, should, we should totally make a song around that, which was a challenge because we had that chant, that uh, theme, and then we worked for a long time to just bring music gently under that theme and create that sort of unexpected what we didn't know what it was going to sound like doom stoner rock a ballad we didn't know but we knew we wanted to communicate that sort of uh, mantra that prayer and it turned out being sort of a rock song sort of and and i remember when jamming it mario was singing behind the drum kit with me ah, ah he was singing so he usually yeah. doesn't sing because he's so busy on the drums and and the, the 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 singing is also not something you want to sing along in Gojira usually, but here it's simple drums, simple guitars, and something to sing. Um, so it was it was fascinating to work on that, and then we put a solo yeah, on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. A there is a, a very uh, fragile limit uh, with the melodies in general. Um, from my point of view, uh, the melody can be a bit tricky on the vocals sometimes. Uh, a lot of uh, metalcore bands, for example, have a very uh, melody choruses. Uh, but it's always, uh, I don't know why, but sometimes it, it feels a bit cheesy for me, too cheesy. And there is this fragile limit. It's almost something I cannot explain. But when it's too cheesy, it doesn't work for me. And uh, I feel Joe and I, uh, uh, have exactly the same limit. So when uh, Joe brought this melody, um, I didn't think one second. I really, I really thought this melody was something else, like something very uh, spiritual and touching and uh, deep. You know, so, uh, uh, it it was not fake at all. It was not uh, too e e too emo. If even if I like the emo scene, you know, 
but uh, I felt like this melody was just something else. Uh, a truly um, emotional, <clears throat> and um, we all fail. Uh, uh, we all uh, felt the same, you know, the four of us. So uh, the chant is uh, uh, truly a song we love. Yeah. What's the thing people most commonly misunderstand about Gajira? Like, what's the biggest sort of misconception about you? Sometimes about the lyrics, you know, uh, people think we only talk about uh, ecology. Oh uh, yeah, and that's that's not the case, you know. It's but true. It's, yeah, it's a bit limiting. Yeah. When I'm doing an interview, it's always the case. Oh, you guys are talking about ecology, and uh, it's. Uh, it's not the case yeah it's only one side of uh of the the content of the lyrics because mostly i would say it's uh it's it's a philosophical um sort of quest you know what why why are we here for what can we do uh, uh to feel better in our shoes on an everyday uh basis and and it's about our fears of dying and uh, our fears of living or breaking the boundaries or uh, finding oneself. It's very therapeutic. Um, and, and there's some songs about the environment, Toxic Garbage Island that talks about the, the plastic problem in the ocean or uh, global warming, talking about climate change. But people hold on to these uh, striking titles and, and sort of uh, put a label of an uh, environmentalist band but I guess we do care about the environment, of course, and we, we're talking about it once in a while. But if you look at our songs, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, essays, you know, like talking about uh, yeah. power abuse or self-confidence, um, fighting the, the demons inside and fighting the dragon and St. George, you know, the myth of St. George beating the dragon um, is something that will represent the lyrics overall a little more than just oh you're an environmental uh, conscious band i would i would say yeah yeah that's you're right on that we we even have to, uh, to 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 fight it a little bit at some point so you guys are talking about only the environment uh so you're environmental activists and we're not we're just people you know we're worried because it's getting hot and because we there's problems and the the oceans are melting and we see pollution in the ocean so we talk about it sometimes but it's not yeah the main thing what's the biggest thing you've learned about life and death and the point of existence because that you know it's like you said it's all through your music like what's the kind of biggest realization you've had or biggest lesson you've learned about that well i would say uh that uh, every moment counts and everything is now and now is everything uh when we tour and we, we 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 step on the stage in front of a lot of people, we don't have time to 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 appreciate or realize what hap what happens, and then we're out of the stage. So we're we're in this uh, turmoil, and we're touring constantly in new places, and and with time we learn how to really soak it in and appreciate. You know, you you see old rockers on stage, and they they're just like oh yes, they appreciate they they communicate with great. Uh, patient that they, they take they slow down they know how to take talk to the crowd you know older bands older bands that realize how precious this is and when you're young you just want to you know you know uh, destroy everything and make an impression and you're out of breath all the time you know um, and it's it's also something I'm, I'm telling the crowd uh, uh, 
since a few years now, often I say, let's be in this moment all together. I'm trying to, rem to remind people to, and now uh, Mario has a, a daughter and I'm, I have kids and we see them growing and it, it teaches you also to appreciate um, the present moment. My daughter is now nine. I remember when she was uh, five, six, I, th I thought she was gonna stay like that uh, longer. Like a chubby little thing with diapers, you know? And now next thing you know, I, I pick her up at school and I want to take her in my arms and she pushes me away because her friends are watching. And so where did that go? So I'm trying, instead of freaking out, personally, I'm trying to appreciate every day. And um, if she, if, if my daughter is asking me to play with her or to do something with her, I'm going to try to do it as much as possible, get out of my way to do it because I realize that it's gonna, not going to be for long. And um, in the band, it's the same, right, Mario? We appreciate every yeah, right. moment more than before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, every day is so precious and uh, this is part of life. It's a full sight, not something um, cata catastrophic, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's uh, okay with the idea of dying. You know, I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. I uh... yeah, but I mean, yeah, that, that's a huge thing. Dying, you know. Are, are you? Do you feel the same, Joe? Do you feel like comfortable with the idea? Yeah, more and more. You know, uh, yeah, because we we. we uh... We, we, we lived life to, life to the fullest, you know, with our band and we, um, we, uh, we surrounded ourselves with love and uh, we set up some great things for our lives just be, by believing in it and now we're experiencing it. It's, it doesn't mean it's easy, but uh, our, our standards, you know, our potential is uh, getting fulfilled and so we have no regrets. Um, um, uh, I would like to, to um, uh, inspire other people to do the same and to to do exactly what they want to do in life. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but you'll have zero regrets if you do that. And that's sort of what we're doing, sort of what we feel like, I think. Awesome. Thanks so much. I know I've kept you guys um, for a while, so I really appreciate your time. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Oh, thank you very much for the interview and uh, thanks for the support uh, through the years and you guys uh, uh, support the band uh, for so long now and uh, yeah. we really appreciate it. Thank you so much.